You're listening to the A Scully Cast, brought to you by www.ascully.com. And here are your hosts, A Scully and Sid Talk. So, Sid Talk, we've not got a game yet. Um, Is this the before, the after the show discussion? We've not got a game yet, and I did ask people to send me in some ideas for games. I had a couple, and they were not very good. They were pretty much the same thing, but not guessing the year. It was like, get, like, like here's a movie. You're insulting people, suggestions, because that's not very nice. Not insulting, but they weren't that good. I'm saying. <laughs> That's not a compliment. So there was one where it was like, um, is the guy, is the guy's name, guess five movies that he was in. But what I've said to you, we've played that game before in the car and it's fun. It's not interesting to do it in this show because there's a lot of, uh, hold on, um, when you can't, you know, obviously you can't look it up. Or we could be cheating by looking it up, couldn't we? No, because we're looking straight at each other. Yeah, but they don't know that. I'm not playing it for them. I'm playing it with you. <laughs> but anyway, it was it would have been it was fine to play, but it's outside of boring this, yeah. to play when you're listening to somebody going. Uh, mm, oh, what I disagree. Was that thing? I like listening to people. What was that things? thing he was in? And who's that? And you know that. No, so. I like this. I like that. But I know you and your and I. I devised one. Don't. I okay. sat and devised one this week, and it was interesting to me. And then I thought. It's not that easy to set up, so you might not have liked the setup when it was your turn to do it. Like my requirement of weekly preparation? It would have took a while to do each time, and it would also... It would have been a lot of umming and ahhing, because it's quite hard. Like, it's a bit more difficult than most of the others. So, we've still not come up with a game. If you can think of a game out there, email me. And Why would they suggest things now actually, that you've said I'm that saying, they have bad ideas? If you can come up with a game out there, email me, and I will insult you on the air. Rather. Perfect. Fair enough. So, it is Saturday, January the 18th. This is after the show number 311. This is not the 18th. It is not. It's the 25th. 25th. So, that was last week's. <laughs> And it's number 311, I think. Correct. That you get right. So, uh, yeah, it's after the show number 311. The movie we're looking at this week is The Fifth Estate. It's a 2013 movie released on Blu-ray on the 27th of January, so you can pick it up this week coming. So this is an early look. It's rated R. I didn't actually understand why it has an R rated. You say 25th of January. It's released on the 27th of January. Okay. That's what I said, Um, which is this Tuesday coming up. Um... I don't know why it's rated R. That's Monday. The 27th is Monday? Today's 25. True. Mm. So it's the 28th. Mm, Blu-ray Monday. Oh, okay. So um, (laughs) this movie is rated R. I don't understand why it is rated R because it uh, doesn't have any R-rated content as far as I can think. Apart from one incidence of violence. But that is literally it. The rest of it, I think. But that was real. It so was. I think that's why. So maybe, yeah. Yeah. Um, it's from our friends at Disney slash Touchstone. Uh, there is no tagline for this movie, but... Siddharth, what's the synopsis of The Fifth Estate? I'll tell you the tagline. Viva la revolution. Revolution. Uh, what was that? What was your question? Synopsis? Synopsis of The Fifth Estate. The Fifth Estate is a... We're going to say fictional account based on a true story... 
of the events leading up to the massive leak of over 90,000 documents about the Afghanistan war on WikiLeaks. A little bit of the origin story of WikiLeaks, but not really the origin origin, only the main guy, the Julian guy, meeting the other guy. Yeah, it's, from then it's a lot focused on Julian Assange. 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 And Daniel Berg. It's, it's, but mostly focused on the Julian guy. And it is oh, based... Oh, I thought it was mostly focused on the other guy. It's based on the two books mm-hmm. that were wrote about Julian. Neither of them were authorized. Correct. That's what both, I'm saying. It's a fictional account. Both unauthorized books. Based on true story by people who like a lot of attention and they want a lot of fame and they want a lot of credit. That's part of the story as well. And it's hinted at throughout that there's personal things going on behind the scenes. But that's what it's about, is that little slice of time. We've all heard of WikiLeaks. If you haven't, much. you really have been under a rock. Because I don't follow the news very much, and I still know... I knew a minuscule amount about it, so... Like a tiny... You've heard of it, yeah, at least. I yeah, I mean, I knew some of the things in the movie made sense to me, some of the things didn't. But anyway, let's get on to that, right? So... The movie, The Fifth Estate, well, I, really, I didn't know anything about this movie at all. Didn't know it existed. Didn't know Disney were anything putting it out. Didn't know any of that. So when I got it, it looked interesting to me. And... To be honest, I thought it would be something like Fish Tank. <laughs> all I knew was the title. Oh. I knew nothing else. I'm like, hmm, Fifth Estate. I wish it was like Fish Tank. That's really an awesome movie. <laughs> well, no. I mean, a, like an exceptional movie. Yeah, but this is good too. But yeah, that's what yeah. I thought. Well, I no, had no idea. Okay, so I'm going to say what I think about the Fish, uh, the fish Tank. The fifth, <laughs> the fifth Estate. So... The opening sequence of this movie is amazing. This the piece of paper thing. Yeah, yeah. And it and it sets you know, it's really exciting, like I was like, ooh. Very. And the movie itself, like you say, is um I don't know what the truth and what the not truth is, so I'm just watching it like, yeah, it's a real thing, but I'm assuming like a lot of this is filled in for a dramatic effect, you know? Like the lives of the two guys. Where they meet, these kind of things. It all seems very movie-ish. Mm-hmm. So I had to kind of like go, okay, I know that's true because I know that's true. And some of this stuff obviously didn't happen this way. It's like when I watched the movie The Doors by Oliver Stone. That's not how The Doors... No. It's a very fantasized way of it seeing it all. All you can do is say, what do I know? What do I know is a fact? Right. And then everything else is bullshit. And it's there are just... facts in here, obviously. Yeah. Very... In fact, actual footage from the news, which is clearly... Well, you know, it might be might not be fact either. Sure. But, um, so, I have liked this movie, but I also have some problems. And my problems are... And this is the problems. One, whenever you start to get to know Julian Assange... Assange? Assange. Assange. Whenever, you fi- whenever I felt like I was getting to know him as a person... It pulled that away and went back into the WikiLeaks thing. Um, so I never felt like I, you know, I'm like, eh, I, I kind of feel him a little bit. Now he's an asshole. It's very, like, on the surface of who he is, like, so you don't really get to know who he is. And my other thing is, my fault of this movie, is the actual directing and editing, the pace of the movie. I mean, and it's. It's a very fast cut together. Here's a thing happening. Here's a thing happening. And if you're not like 100% on the ball 
and I mean like double looking at the screen like like really concentrating there are things that blew by me that I, I'm, I'm assuming were very important things but I didn't um, know 100% what that factual event is so I think some things were lost on me like I understand like the consequences around them but I don't understand what 100% Can we yeah. give an example? The two men in the car, what was that <clears throat> exactly? I, I see, understand what it was, mm-hmm. but as a real piece of news, I didn't get that piece of news, so... And I, I feel that was a critical, crucial thing. The um, I think the Laura Linney and was, the embedded yeah. dude, that's obviously a real person. None of that... It, it resonates with me, as in I understand the how critical things are. But there were things that were names and places and facts that were going by so fast. I just had, I just felt like I have a um, just a rounded off kind of. Oh, yeah, I understand why you wouldn't want that to happen, but I don't understand the intricacies of that. So, but what's clever about the movie? And I, I was almost like, yeah, there's a lot of stuff here that I don't know what he's mm-hmm. talking about. I'm gonna have to gonna have to look all this up. Exactly, that's all I'm saying. This inspires you to go. But then, look right it up. at the very end, when Benedict Cumberbatch <laughs> is being interviewed, and he looks at the screen and says about you, yeah, and knowledge, like it's it actually makes the movie kind of genius. Just that one line, I was like, yeah, because I feel like bombarded with information and kind of lost at points but he's saying you know don't rely on don't rely on what we tell you go and look and seek and find so that almost you know saved it all for me but it's just that very fast shaky style of filmmaking that it It wasn't shaky there was a quite a lot of spinning and shaking oh spinning I didn't say shaking but spinning a couple there was some um, like where where it's almost like the camera gets knocked, so it kind of moves down fast and moves back up on the people. It's like handheld camera work. There's really, a... I didn't notice that one time. Yeah, there was a bunch of it, and it's like what's in the Bond movies. So it's like to make it feel like shit's going on, like we're moving, we're moving, and it was always I, like that. Why it never, I it, that? yeah, it never stopped, and it never like it was never static. In fact, the only really static bit, and it was still moving around the table, was like the American part with Laura Linney. Well, I don't think I didn't get that at all. Not, if, if you watch it again, you will, if, even if you watched a yeah, trailer, but if I didn't sure. notice it at all. Right. Well, I'm just saying as a fact that's that's that is how it's directed and camera. And I mean, the one time it spun around him because he was confused. Not I just that. that though. Whenever they're in a room, whatever, there's the cameras moving all the time. There's no static shots. It makes you feel like you're, um, like, I've got to take this in, I've got to take this in all the time. And that's how I felt this movie Well, I didn't feel that at all. I would have preferred a slower, less stylized version of this movie. But I'm usually very in tune to that. More like a Frost Nixon or something like that. Maybe I'm getting up to speed. (laughs) Yeah, I would have preferred that style of film as opposed to this, let's make it really fast and cut together really I, I guess that's the only problem but see if I was telling this I'm gonna tell you that that doesn't that's not even part of any my experience at all I wouldn't have told you it was fast right and fast. everybody has the no what I'm saying though if you're telling that to people that's the only take they get that could give them a bad impression I'm saying I didn't get any of that except for the one time it started spinning around him I'm like oh I yeah but it's not I'm not on the I'm not saying on the surface camera spinning around I'm talking about the way the camera moves the entire time 
It's always a handheld camera. It's not Cloverfield, but it's a, it's a stylistic choice by the director to move the camera. Get it? Bang the camera sometimes so it looks like it, like you're walking with somebody and it goes out and comes back in. It's not exactly what you're thinking. It's not. No, I know what you're saying, but I didn't get any of that either. I don't remember any of that. I don't remember it being moving a lot or being handheld. Right, so so obviously it's an opposing movie. Like, uh, some people might not see it, some people might. I'm not, not saying that that's the major problem with the movie. I'm talking about the editing and everything. It's too... It's, editing, they do seem to it's trim too a fast lot. fast moving. And, there's, like I say, you can't get a... Um, like a hook on the characters at all. Like, because, for example, she says you could take a girl to dinner. Cut. Yeah. She's in... There's no... It's the next morning she's in bed. And, and not I, just that. Like, um, like Julian starts to say something sometimes, and then you're like, oh, I'm just about to understand him a little bit more, and then it's, oh, we need to go and look at a computer screen and show you what stuff's leaking again. Like, it... Like, that is... I felt that a little bit, but I think I understood that was the part of the idea. That he was quite elusive... And that he was quite the drama king of things. And he liked to mm, smoke in mirrors about his past. And he didn't tell everyone the full truth about his past. And he lied a lot about his past. In real life, this was part of the story. And so I've got that vibe. Like, just when he starts to open up to the character across from him, then he kind of flashes a smile and it's like, uh, I'm not going to go any deeper. So I felt like that was... That made sense to me because he was all about this thing, WikiLeaks. I, I also think the way the movie portrays the character is you could ask one person, what do you... Th- yeah, it, definitely. Say, let's say you don't know anything about this. What do you think... At the end of the movie, you can say to this person, what do you think of Julian Assange? And they go, he's a complete asshole, I hate him. You could ask another person and they say he's an absolute saint. He's, he's like a, he should change he changed the world. So there's no clear perspective on him. Here's my take. He's an asshole who changed the world. Right. <laughs> like all that. Yeah. In that and just in the information So they don't take a world. side with not change the world like change the world, but I mean in information freedom and whatnot, change that. But I, swear I feel I like still feel like he was a showboater. They're really safe with their this is we don't really... We think he could be one or the other. They don't go either way. They just stay right in the middle of it all. And it kind of bothered me a little bit. That I just... I know they... I know you can't say 100%. They can't even say no... Unless you're the guy who lived with him for five years and know him. Even but then, you don't know unless... In you, fact, that's a lie. Unless a movie's sanctioned by the person it's about. Yeah. Even then, they might love a movie that puts him in a good light. He, and that's still he, not the truth. He intensely dislikes this movie. The... And I could understand why, if the way... I would say the best thing about this movie is, just go into it, if you watch it, that you've heard WikiLeaks in the the news, you've heard about the Afghanistan papers, you've heard about the Hillary Clinton comments about the delegates from other countries and all that shit. You know, you see it on CNN, they kind of blurb it and talk about it and blah, blah, blah. So if you watch this movie, it kind of, it will attach all of that to a real thing. Because when you see it in the news, it's hard to imagine a dude with a laptop in a cafe on a chat room. Well, like, not chat room, like what we think of. Yeah, IRC. Um, Getting thousands of people to actually get whistleblowers to gather real documents from real corporations and governments 
on the lowdown, people, you know, getting their lives in danger, people being killed. And why well, we all saw a couple, but I mean, well, but you don't connect to any of that. So you watch the movie, and while it might not be true, true, it still makes you go, right, it's not just some, like, it's not some guy in a big high-rise sitting there with a big camp of people doing this. It's like a underground V for Vendetta kind of a thing is what I and think And that is of. exactly what it is. And the reason he was super famous is like he'd wrote his own operating system that they could all use that um, was sworn by him to be you're completely anonymous. If you, do, if you are in a big company and you've got something to say, you can say it through us and you will never ever be traced back. So it was a... Like this clandestine operation. But he's only that, famous amongst hacker people. Right. There was like this grassroots and people were just joining in it. And like people in like high and people in the military <clears> and all kinds of people who wanted to say something were all just getting in. And I understand that. And the revol- and there was a scene in here where he does a speech and they have that film that plays in the background yeah. that kind of... And you can see why people would like this thing and people would also hate it, right? Yeah. Yeah. I would have. I would feel like I would always be on the side of, if I had those kind of information, to give him that information immediately. Why? Because people need to know that shit. Yeah, but you're not that type. You're I a, would you're be a, if I was privy to that boat. information. I don't know if you would. And it was guaranteed nobody would say anything. Nah, there's no guarantees in life. No, I'm saying that. I that's, think you that would err on the promise, side of right? caution. That was his promise. So. Um, and you know some of that stuff what they have leaked and you can go to wikileaks.com today it mm-hmm. still exists and in fact they leaked a bunch of stuff yesterday about the British government if you go and have a look they leak stuff all the time who knows if it's all true though you know it's from anonymous sources people in there according to the movie they at least try to back up the a conflicting idea that they're journalists as well, that they are actually like looking into sources, they look in the documents, they check names and documents, they make sure that there wasn't when, enough of that for me. Right. In the, the movie. backing up of the information instead of like well because what we can think of is we would say Wikipedia. Wikipedia is edited by people like you and me. There are some professionals. And I always have my doubts. There are some universities. There are some Big organizations, libraries, and whatnot, who do edit a lot of it. But there's just me and you. Like, I could go on and say, well, that Plants vs. Zombie wiki, Wikipedia page isn't right. I'll go write a paragraph about it. And, and I might be, be wrong. wrong. Yeah. So WikiLeaks implies that somebody just came along, uploaded a bunch of documents about, like, oh, I work for this um, state government, and I found out that all these women complain about sexual harassment gets, get, all gets thrown in the trash. But I might be, I could be lying and just faking it all. So I don't know if they back it all up with. But I think the idea of it was originally put it out there. Transparency seemed to be his mantra. Yep. Just put it out there. If you don't believe it, then you go ask. And the then it became yourself. more complicated because they had this big um, three gigabyte um, ninety thousand documents, and they didn't know what was in it because they couldn't go through it all. And his idea, his was like, no, everybody needs to see it. Whereas it could compromise people's lives, right? So. What a fucked up world we live in. Like, there are so. Like, on our level, married, we're two people married to each other, right? Now, let's say that you um, do something you don't want me to know about. You just kind of do it on the sly, you. Whatever it is. You could be, not you specifically. Because you don't, to my knowledge, <laughs> this oh, is a good example. But like, you know, a husband who likes to look up porn on his computer and wants to hide it from his wife. And will do certain steps to keep it secret. 
right? Right there is an example how the world is so fucked up because if one government does a bunch of stuff and they don't want the world to know, they'll cover it all up and it's huge and it's horrible. And yet when you start peeling back and lifting the curtain up from the guy behind the curtain, then bad, more bad things happen. It's like it's so entangled. You can't just go, hey, look at this corporation. They stole all your money. Let's uh, bring them down. Like, it doesn't work that way, unfortunately. But I think his plan was everybody needs to be transparent. And that is actually... Most governments will say, yes, we are transparent. What are you talking about? But they're not. Like, Obviously not. Right? They can't tell you where they're sending troops uh-uh. and secret things and all that kind you of stuff. You can't know top secret operations because they're top secret for a reason, right? Yeah, and so. they'll never tell you the cost of every office remodel and every cubicle wall and every fix of every toilet because it's just not going to be public knowledge. And that real footage in the movie of the um, Apache helicopter firing, at the, which we've seen in the news, that footage, obviously they don't want you to see that because it's horrendous and actually against all human human kind right. of... So and it happens, and but it's not against every human's thing because those humans thought it was completely appropriate. Right, and then they say it's a oh no, it's an act of war. If you're in war, things don't apply, but then don't show you half of it. So it's there's yep. no transparency, even if you think there is, there isn't. There's lots and of and people lies. like this. I I admire like something like WikiLeaks because, as you know, we're force-fed news by CNN and people like that, and it's just a not force-fed it. Well, it's we consume what's we consume out there. that news that is all sanctioned and cleaned around the edges, and I can see people sitting at their keyboards going, we can't writing say that, stories we can't say that. and like typing whole sentences and then hitting delete, and yeah. with the look on their face, like these fuckers, they know I can't say this, they know I can't tell. All going this. into their editor at CNN and going, here's the story of the bird, and the editor go, yep, you can say twenty percent of that. Yeah, vut, vut. mark, yeah. mark, 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 mark. So I admire WikiLeaks because their idea is like, no, the news shouldn't be served to you that way. Here's the whole thing, facts. You have a look at it and think for yourself of what. And then that's a little bit hippy-dippy, isn't it? Like, hey, we can all be friends and we can just reveal everything to everybody. And the guy who um, was like a whistleblower for some horrible dictator in this other country, he'll be fine. They won't do anything And that's to where him. this movie is interesting because there's Very. literally a conflict. The, the scene where he's on the airplane. And yeah. he's um, doing some jiggery pokery on the aeroplane with his laptop. <laughs> jiggery pokery. Um, and literally, the press of a key in that could lots of people can die. And if you're not thinking on that in that wavelength, which he's not, he's just really thinking about. Oh, I need to tell people this. The actual consequences of telling people that is lots of deaths and possibly wars and possibly millions of deaths. So it's a very... But the thing is, what, then, then this is my problem. Why can't I tell the truth? Right. If, my, if I'm afraid to tell the truth because these things might happen, then no wonder all these things are secret. You know what I mean? It's just a so that's circle, why, circle, circle. If this movie, like I said at the beginning, I have some problems with this movie. Overall, and that end sequence where he just looks at the camera and what he says in that line just summed everything up for me and it kind of fixed what was wrong do you wish that had been at the beginning like no i I think it really i think it worked (laughs) awesome at the end because it made me think and then go yeah and then secondly um this movie just works because it made me think about this stuff okay and i was like okay let me go and research this a little bit myself which he tells you to do 
I wasn't doing it because he told me to do it. I was like, no, I want to be clear on this. Is this all dramatized or which bits are true? And I looked and they've missed parts out, obviously. They, you know, they they fill in, a they do a, the, the classic thing at the end where they show you, in 2010, blah, 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 blah. They do the on, on text on the screen. And that kind of fills some of the real parts in. But when you go and read, there's a lot more to it than that. He was accused of sexual assault, it says on the screen. Yeah. Go and look that up, and it's not it quite as... sounds to me like co- they're trying to hook him in there, like he was accused of sexual assault, and then they show him making a comment, well, the actor making a comment as him, saying, "This, these, li- these are baseless lies, and then the next screen comes up and says, he later admitted to having sex with these women, and then you looked it up. And Go and read <laughs> exactly what occurred for the sexual assaults. <clears throat> and it's not as cut and dry, it's, it's but, like you... When you accuse someone of a sexual crime, it doesn't matter that they were a million miles away. No. That you are now, there is a paintbrush now with your name all over it. And every time your face comes up, people will slap that paint right across your face. And a man like this, who a lot of people wouldn't want around. God, no. That is a kind of an easy thing to nail. I believe one of my coworkers said if he was running for him, I'd blow his fucking head off. So that's, that's what I'm saying. It's, think, it's yeah. very, it's very easy to pin anything on a person like that. <laughs> exactly. So don't believe everything, and don't believe what this movie's fully saying. The thing don't. is, though, no matter how much we dig, how do we ever know anything is true? Exactly, and that, and that's what this movie tells you, and that is the perfect thing. I can go on Wikipedia and read all about this guy. I don't believe it all hundred percent, even when I'm no. reading it, and that's what this movie's about. Like it's because like the. It's how we all digest things we hear and see. One guy at work said one to me one day, he's a super strong Republican, and he was completely sincere. Well, this president we have now has, has always measured his success by how many people he can get on food stamps. And I said, oh, do you mean like he's in the social welfare programs? Or, and, he goes, and he just looked at me like, no. He's measuring his success of this country on how many people we can get on food stamps. And how do you think that looks to the rest of the world? And I'm like, like I don't, yeah, I don't think that's from. accurate. And, but that's his interpretation of something else that he heard from something else that he heard from something else somebody said. I'm, and then you can say it to me and I might soak it up. I might have been the person to go, really? Wow. I never heard that. And then I pass it on to someone else and say, did you know that our president thinks that the more people we have on food stamps, the better off we are as a country? I mean, like, it's just bullshit. It's like, oh my god. Another thing I really liked about this movie is the technology they used. And that was one thing I wanted to point... uh, When I was watching it, they used all believable technology. Mm -hmm. Phones, laptops, nothing was like... Even when it showed you the American end of things, in, in the Air Force One even... It was all like, no, this that looks like a real computer doing real things. That, there was none of that Hollywood swiping Some things people around. will think that the IRC stuff looks fake, but that's not. That's totally No, how that it actually looks. looks how that And looks, I work yeah. in mainframe, and, a lot, and that's how that looks as well. It's a black if, screen with green letters. And, and he'd wrote his own operating system, right. which was the basis of why you would give him your secrets, because it, it can be transferred around. Um, so all that made sense. I liked the way it looked. There were some stylistic things in there, like the words on the screen and stuff, which remind me of Sherlock a little bit, funnily enough, because Sherlock well, I liked does it. that. No, I'm saying I'm not saying it's bad, but they do that in What's Sherlock. What's they have to do with Sherlock? Uh, Benedict Cumberbatch is in. No, but he has nothing to do with the editing of this movie. No, but it reminded me of it, is what I'm saying. Like, uh, 
that first, the very first season one episode of Sherlock where people are texting and stuff mm. and the text comes up on the screen. Just reminded me of that. And they did it in that last one that mm-hmm. we just watched. Doing loads of movies, yeah. Yeah. Nowadays. Um, so, yeah, it's pretty stylistic. A lot of the places they hang out are very movie-ish. But you know? there's a... Those, I've been to Germany and I was in one place. I was like, oh, yeah, that looks very much like a German club. <laughs> like, kind of like the beginning of... <laughs> Irreversible. Yeah. But, but a bit more clean than that. Yeah. A little more clean and a little less dark. But uh. So move on to the cast here. Benedict Cumberbatch, who is, plays Julian Assange. If I wasn't sold on him already, I'm, I'm a humongous fan now. Because I just think he's... I mean, he's become huge over the last couple of years. To me, he's not. He's just Sherlock. I've not seen him in anything else, have it's I? Star Trek, yeah. Not seen it yet. No. He's Star Trek. I've seen nothing. So to me, he's nothing except Sherlock and... He was in, um, was it the zombie movie? He played like a, he was like a sergeant or something in one big action movie. I think he was in 28 movie. Days Later. Was that it? No. It was no, he was in day, World War Z. Was, was it, it World War Z? Yeah. Where he was, all he was was like a colonel yeah, or something. Small. Oh, he was in um, uh, Spielberg's movie with the horse. War horse. He was in that too. Briefly. Yeah. Right. Yep, yep. <laughs> <laughs> what was that? So I don't, to me he's not, he's not... He's just a little bit here, a little bit there, and now I'm like, ooh. He was definitely... I could tell in this movie, because you know what he's normally like, right? So Mm -hmm. in this movie, he's dyed his hair and No, I don't know what he's normally like. I only know him as Sherlock, mostly. I've seen him in interviews. He's pretty much like Sherlock. Oh, I've never seen (laughs) him talk, so... So um, what he'd done here, and I watched some YouTube videos of the real guy, you could tell he... Did he put something in his mouth? Yeah, it looked like it. And he'd watched that guy so intently, he was following everything like a like literally the nervous takes the whole thing about him but it was really good because at first i was like because we just watched sherlock i was like oh sherlock guy and then i forgot about that yep so that's a good acting for i me. was instantly gone from him being anything other than this guy and so. this guy daniel Bruhl, who plays his cohort daniel berg um funnily enough the movie we're watching next week rush he plays is the second main guy in that so We'll see him again. Uh, that was he's. This guy has not been such a big deal. He did Rush, and then everybody's like, "That guy's amazing." And then he turned up in this one. So did we see Rush? No, we've seen it next week. So oh. <laughs> he's relatively newcomer. Like, but I really liked him in this. He was. He's a little pretentious of that Hollywoody kind of thing to me. Kind of movie-ish kind of guy. He had the very perfect. 20-something IT beard and really pretentious apartment, which could be just How like his apartment, was, but yeah. <laughs> like you said, it's kind of Hollywooded up a lot of it. It is, yeah. Like, you know, hacking in the broom closet and it's all very... And you think, well, that's very... If he's the one that gave them the information for this unsanctioned book, he could have been in the closet or he could have dramatized There's some it. really good scenes between them both, though. I thought, especially mm-hmm. when it started to get intense in the middle, where where the relationship wasn't quite as good as it used yep. to be. It, 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 there were some good scenes. Uh, Peter Capaldi plays the editor of the Guardian newspaper, um, Alan Rusbridger, and he's actually the new Doctor Who. But he could but have been, any, that, yeah, he could have been anybody, yeah. No, but he was pretty good. Um, now, one of my favourite, I think this guy is amazing, and he's David Thewlis, who plays Nick Davis, who's the reporter from the Guardian newspaper. Oh yeah, I like him. Um, he's he's amazing. That guy. I've always liked him a lot. He was in that movie that I love, the one where he's this weird like drifter who's like homeless guy. 
I don't think you ever saw it. Oh, right. It's really so. an awesome movie. Um, was he in Lord of the Rings at all? I don't think so. Am I confusing him with somebody else? But he's brilliant in this movie. He's... He's... I mean, it's not that big of a I mean, he's not in it a ton, but when he's in it, he's like... Especially the part where he is sat down in the coffee shop at the end with, with him. Yes. Where you don't think that's how he's going to... No. How he views but, things. But and all of a sudden, said, you're like, whoa. What he says is like, whoa. <laughs> like, and it's real meaningful, like, and I don't know if that really happened in that conversation. he's brilliant or anything. It's not like he has a big stretch. He's just a normal guy. He's a, he's a reporter. And that's why it, it really... I buy him as like that yes. normal guy, and he's he's played some weird roles in the past where he's not a normal guy. Ah, so the in playing a normal guy to me was very different, and it, I just completely bought the normal guy. I, I bought that he could be a definite higher up, um, slightly institutionalized, slightly affected reporter for a big newspaper. And yet, then he as you start scratching, he the understands surface, the importance of what's going he's on. He's like, yeah, I. We get it, but I also understand that there has to be a line drawn in the sand. And then you get this little speech about it, and so I was like, oh, yeah. Because there's us, the newspapers, I earn my living here. And there's you, the wild west of the news people. Like, and we have to com- we have to coexist. Like, So we can help you, you can help us. Because we can measure the response and the consequences, whereas all you have is the raw information. And there's no money in it. And we seem like the assholes (laughs) because we want to make money off of it and we want to control it all. And you seem like the asshole because you just want to throw it all out there. So let's... We can come to this middle... I need to look him up, the real guy. And because, you know, there's a scene in the movie where they're... WikiLeaks is going down because too many people are hitting it. Mm-hmm. And he says to his friend, we need to sort this out, get more servers or whatever, because there's no money in this. Like, yeah, yeah. Whereas the opposite end, The Guardian, they're making millions of pounds from selling newspapers. So it's, it's interesting. I don't know. All of it's interesting. That makes you talk. It makes you think. It makes you realize, as the song I've been listening to a lot lately, we're all kind of happy little puppets on a string, aren't we? We just listen to what we listen to. We get fed what we get fed. And we bounce around our money from one source to another, like good little citizens. And we just go on about things and then we die. <laughs> so um, Laura Cheery. Laura Linney plays uh, Sarah Shaw. I love um, her. I really like her a lot. I do. From Love Actually is my... Uh... I just like I didn't even like her in Love Actually, so there no, you I, go. But I, I like her. I didn't like her story in More Love now. Actually so much, but I do like her. But um, yeah, she's not in it at all. But you get the idea. She was a powerful lady in a high position. I didn't even understand I, her name or anything. And she but. even cared. Like there was this caring about people she's worked with for this amount of time. I think that's why we highlighted her. Why they highlighted her is that here is a connection. To, to a real human being who humanity, could be yeah. affected. So we've got a person in a high position who could just brush it all off and be like, hey, casualties of war, that's how it is. Or, you know, you're just whatever. These are just the numbers and that's how it is. And yet you're she's really connected to a real life situation. So I liked that. And alongside her stunt- And that was Dr. Bashir, by the way, from Deep Space Nine. He was in Star Trek Deep Space Nine, the guy who went from Egypt to Libya. Yeah, right. He was one of my Star Trek doctors, who I like very much. One of my favorites, actually. And Stanley Tucci plays... Well, you probably didn't even put him on there, did you? No. Dr. Bashir. Plays James Boswell. Um, Stanley Tucci's only in it briefly. I like him when he's like things. He's kind of wacky sometimes. Yeah, he is. I liked him in The Hunger Games recently. Um, yeah, because he's kind of... Because that was wacky. Yes. But um, in here, he was um, very brief. So this is directed by Bill Condon, who we know from... Um, 
Dream Girls. Did you like Dream Girls? He directed that. Yeah, I don't love, um, you know, I don't love musicals, but it was good. It was. It was a good musical. He was. Um, and he also directed Twilight one and two, and I haven't seen any of the Twilight movies, so I can't. Um, Maybe that's where a little bit of the Hollywood shine comes from. I think so. A little bit of, um, what would you say, like kind of romanticizing things a but this, bit? Yeah, but this feels more like a British film to me, though. It, it's, it still did. Like, it, I don't know if it was or it wasn't. I don't know. But it felt British to me. Pause. Because the guy who played the guy from Egypt was really good. I thought he did an excellent job. And his name is Alexander Siddig. He was Dr. Bashir on Deep Space Nine. It's a pretty small part, though, I mean. Yeah, but he did a real... No, it wasn't a small part, because it represented a whole scenario of the thousands of people they claimed could be in danger. He was the representative of that. And so he was really emotional, and I think he did a fantastic job. So, Alex... Alex? Alexander Siddig. So, um, yeah, Bill Condon as director, I, it's a bit hit and miss with me, because it's yeah. a bit... I would have preferred this directed in a different way. For example, compared to a movie you... you... Frost Nixon would be a good example. Or one of my recommendations, maybe. Yeah. Um, yeah. With a little more gravity. And a little <laughs> less style. Like, like, like the style things were cool and everything, but I don't think they added anything to it. When You know when they were saying... The sequence that we saw the making of, with all the deaths and everything. Yeah. I don't think it really... Yes, it was kind of interesting, but I don't think it mattered. Like I that. felt like sometimes in those sequences that what he was going for, whoever it was, I didn't have no idea who was directing it or at the helm or anything, but I thought, oh, this person watched Social Network and they thought, aha, that's what I want I actually kind of think project. there was a ton of like <clears throat> trying to be a little bit like the Social Absolutely. Network. Absolutely. And Social Network works for that, though. Yeah. The rowing thing, the music, the for some reason, because it... It weighed it all down, it, like it helped what grounded or something. But I think this story is actually a lot more interesting than the social network. The story of the two guys. Because the implications of it is way Is bigger. way higher than, yeah. than that. But the egos are the same, aren't they? Yeah, and the same kind point, of conclusion. At some point, yeah, we, <laughs> have a, we have a great idea, we want to change the world, and then before you know it, everybody gets downgraded to children on a playground and all of a sudden your ego gets hurt and you want to be the star of the show and then your your cause or your thing your project becomes less important and i think that they both movies kind of tell you that story so um extras on this blu-ray and i'm really disappointed with the Me extras too. It to had so much opportunity to have amazing extras a documentary about the real life thing would have been do you ideal. think they didn't because they didn't base it on real life they based it on the books or they didn't want to have a stance either way or something i don't know like put anything but I mean, down there a lot of what they put in the movie might not be based on true fact and so to do it which i feel that it's not yeah. um because the guy himself does not like the movie, right? So there's obviously intrusions in there to accord what he thinks. Does Zuckerberg like the social network? No, he does not. No, he doesn't. So there you go. Because no. it's too dramatized. Like, so anyway, the extras, and it's weird because this is such a like provocative kind of subject and interesting. You know, it's something you can talk about. So there is no director's commentary, first off, or commentary on anybody who has any... I would like to hear a commentary on an expert on this case subject. None of that. So the only extras are, there's three extras, and they're all about the special effects of the movie. 
Now, <laughs> when I say that to you, that might sound interesting. It would be if it was for, like, Riddick or Elysium <laughs> that we watched recently because they have special effects and, and they're interesting special effects. This movie has some special effects that are really, like I said, almost the worst part of the movie. You think they could have spent that money on something else in the movie. Yeah. <laughs> or or so, something, you know. So it shows you how they made these, like, dreamy sequences that are in the movie that I disliked. So I had this... I'll tell you what I think that was all about. <clears throat> when you're sitting down with a script and you're wanting to make a movie out of something that's so non-visual as some guy sitting at a computer screen... Yeah, and they did mention that documents. Right. So how do we get... Not just the nerdy people, the geeky people, the IT people to understand what we're talking about. Oh, well, okay. How would you compare WikiLeaks? What would you say it is? Well, we could say it's a big room of cubicles or desks like a newspaper office where people are sitting there, you know, um, submitting all of these documents. Ah, there's a visual we can relate to people. And I just got, I mean, it was all very, that's what I got from it. It was like, we need to show visually what's because it's, it's boring looking over the shoulder of somebody typing in DOS commands, right? So <laughs> instead, we will project the words onto their faces as they do it. Oh, I was talking about the desk scene. Well, there's all that. That they're showing there's... you a metaphor for what the internet is. It's just an endless row of desks with people. Which they compared to Stanley Kubrick at one point. Mm, just to the bedroom thing. Um, but still, it was artistic, whereas I... Didn't think it needed that. I agree. Like, so, so actually, all the extras on the disc concentrating on that. Not to mention, they completely... kept showing clouds in the sky, and I'm like, oh, fuck off with your cloud computing. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, please stop And it was a metaphor for that. Yes. <laughs> I was like, oh my God. So, having the extras just fo- focused around that and the score of the movie, which I didn't find actually amazing either, no, it was pretty was underwhelming. Like, I can't even remember it. That's how it was like. So isn't that funny? How when you don't think about it, and, and a, the music's really good, it enhances it. Maybe it should. Maybe the social it network is actually a prime exactly. example. Trent Reznor did with Atticus Ross did this score, and some actual pop, popular songs as well. But it intensifies. I can remember it like. And the thing is, what if that music wasn't there, and this kind of music was? Would that have that movie have been as? impactful and should the music have that kind of impact because this time i don't even remember there being music there was but it was like <laughs> inco- is there was some house music occasionally when they're in these big yeah. spaces and stuff which it there was a part where he had some headphones on he was listening to some uh, techno but then the rest of it was it was kind of like jason Bourne music but it was underplayed because it was very low in the mix and but didn't... should that affect you know, what, how you perceive the movie. That's the question, isn't it? So extras, I was completely disappointed. I would have just liked a documentary about the real thing, some interviews with the real guy, or, or an interview, or the director's commentary, but there's none of those things, unfortunately. How about just the guys who wrote the books? All that, too. So, um, in conclusion, I think it's an interesting movie. Not everybody's going to like this movie. I think some people would say, wow, that was really boring. I don't get it, or I don't... Understand hmm. why that was interesting. See, I don't think anyone... I don't see it being boring at all. And it's very interesting. I can see some people... Um, even, I'm just talking people who are not into the news or in in any way. Like, you know, it's just not interesting to them. Or, I don't think you have to be familiar with the topic of WikiLeaks to enjoy the movie. It's quite obvious what it is. And 
they do spell it out quite well what it is. Um, there's a lot of information, which is the idea, flowing at you all the time. So you really have to be on the ball. You can't. It's not a uh, half watch this movie with the. If you're Cumberbatch and you've just put all this effort into learning this guy's mannerisms and you do a whole big movie about it and it, you know, you do the circuit and you get people to talk about it and whatnot and that person hates it, what's how that must make you feel? Same with Zuckerberg. Like, if that person totally rejects it, does it even impact you? Like, or do you just go back home like, oh shit, I shouldn't have done that? Or and if I, I had done better, maybe he would have appreciated it. And maybe if the I, extras would have been better, <laughs> I would have liked to see, you know, how much. How much research on the real thing does he do? Like, you know, does he just study the guy or does he know everything about the guy? Like, you know, because if he did know everything about the guy and he feels like he did, then he wouldn't have gone along with a movie that portrayed him in the wrong way or... Or would you know. he? Or does it matter? That's the thing, isn't it? But it's a very interesting movie. It'll definitely have you talking. And if you're into current affairs and this kind of thing, I think you really have a fun time with it. Like, I think if I ever become a movie star, I'll never portray a person who's still alive. Yeah. Everyone I portray will have to be dead. That's if I become a movie star. So it's a particular kind of audience for this movie. But I recommend it because it will definitely have you talking and definitely have you going looking something up at the end of it and learning something. So um, I recommend it for that. And for the very end <laughs> dialogue, the very last scene of the movie puts the entire thing in perspective for me. And Cumberbatch is awesome to watch. I yeah. just like watching it. I think there's good acting all around from everybody. I agree. Um, it's it's an interesting movie. Um, gripping, I would say. Yeah. So, um, in conclusion, we like it. You should I liked watch it. it. So, thanks to Disney Touchstone. Uh, and if you want to win a copy of this movie on Blu-ray, The Fifth Estate, we don't re- we don't normally do this. Have a copy of the movie we're reviewing to give away. I have three copies to give away. So, go to ascully.com, click on the word contest. Enter. There's a couple of other contests going, but the fifth estate. Answer the simple question. The question is, who directed the movie? If you were listening, I told you the answer. Well, I, won't, I don't even know who did it. It's right there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I gotta also look it up. But still, it's an easy question. Enter. You could win a copy of the Blu-ray. So uh, thanks to Disney for the prizes. And I think your next question, I think that your question through all of your um, things should be things like... What is your Amazon password? (laughs) What is your banking details? (laughs) What is your PIN number for your bank account? And then, you know. Please send your credit card to this address and enter your PIN number here. Thank you. That's a good quiz. That's some social engineering there. Because very specific to the person who's entering the contest. Some, funnily enough, somebody would probably do it. I know. What's your social security number, date of birth, and what, <laughs> what's your mother's maiden name? All those just other for security answers. purposes. <laughs> no, don't even mention security. Just say, here. <laughs> here's the quiz. What is your social security number? What is your mother's maiden name, and what is your year of birth? <laughs> so, next week's uh, Blu-ray review is Rush, and it's the true life tale of James Hunt and Nicky Lauder. Why this is interesting to me, and it's Ron Howard's movie, by the way, is when I was a child, and this is the reason I like racing games and racing. I don't even know who those people are. The Formula One stars from the 70s, like Formula One racing people from the 70s, and they were always on television when I was young. Interviews with them, the actual races themselves, and it is a very turbulent relationship between them two. And I saw it play out 
as a child even on the news on the on the racetrack it's a very interesting story and i want to see how hollywood kind of portrays it you know so do you uh, mean how ron howard portrays yeah and ron howard's a real car nut he likes cars and racing so i don't think he would take Uh, he's a romanticizer too so it's an interesting story it's from the 1970s so um, think about it think about the movies he's made willow so Rush, we're going to look at next week. Um, movie recommendations based on this week's movie, The Fifth Estate. I am going with Takedown, which is the Kevin Mitnick movie, which is another hacker dude, social engineering guy. Um, it's a really awesome movie. It's about what he did and eventually how they took him down. Um, you've seen it. It's a good movie. Uh, my second one is The Girl with the Dragon Tattoo because another david fincher movie it has that like this movie the same kind of style it's like a fast moving she's a journalist it has this piecing together all the things she's a journalist in uh girl the dragon tattoo mm-hmm. she's a journalist either she is or he is she's a He's a private eye, she's a journalist. He's the She's the private detective. She's person. the private eye, he's the journalist. Yeah. <laughs> what I mean is, like, it has that piecing yeah. together the facts of a case. Yep, yep. And it all come into a... Remember, she's the one who can find people and yeah. find out shit. And that's what I meant to say. He's a journalist, she's a... And, but, you know, it's the... I was like, holy crap, did I totally misunderstand that whole movie? <laughs> <laughs> but um, it has that... It has the kind of style this movie has, but better. Better. Yeah. Because it's Fincher and he's very stylistic. So they're my two movies for this week. Mine are State of Play with Russell Crowe. Because he's a reporter also. And it just gave me the vibe of, based on true story, of but with a different quality as well. Like a just more solid feeling. And Blood Diamond. Because even though it's not like an... It is... True, investigatory kind of but not I mean it is and it isn't and it's really good it's like based on truth um, and all of these are exposing something yeah whistleblower type that yeah that that people need to know about and that there's you know like really dark side of it and I would also recommend the whistleblower come to think of it <laughs> yeah, that's oh, actually really good oh god the whistleblower is really dark and really good um, Rachel Vice. So games and Ace Scully stuff this week. I've been playing a couple of new games. One is called Ollie Ollie. And uh, what would you think? What kind of game is Ollie I don't know, Ollie? but Michael Clayton's also good. Uh, I have no idea. Ollie, uh, could Ollie. you ha- ha- hazard a guess? At what kind of game is Ollie Ollie? Mm, is it about the X Factor? <laughs> Ollie. Remember? No. Ollie with his little dance that he does? No, I have no idea. It is a skateboarding game. Okay. Ollie is a skateboarding trick. I don't know that. Um, it's on the Vita, and it's an indie game. Now I do. Um, and it is a... Imagine Tony Hawk skateboarding, which went away for some reason. Like Activision caned it into the ground, and then it, there is no Tony Hawk Why are you anymore. comparing it to that? Just because of skateboarding? Yeah, well, there's not many skateboard games to talk about, really. So you've got Tony Hawk skateboarding. But what that was was like a 3D skateboarding game where you skate around jump off ramps all that stuff well this is like a 2d from the side like mario super mario skateboarding game but with the complexity of tricks that a tony hawk game has so it's not just press the button to jump over things there's a whole trick system like rotate the stick left rotate the stick right press the triggers 
So it's it looks simple, but it's very complex to play. Like, and it's about getting combos and making your score higher by doing chaining tricks into each other. But it's also old-fashioned, if Shipwreck was correct, in that if you die, you die, and you start all over. Yeah, because it's like a um, you have to get... The idea of it is there's a course. It's full of rails, ramps, and jumps, and things to grind on. And it goes from A to B. And the, the idea is to get from A to B and get the highest score you possibly can. Um, but if you fall off, you go all the way back to A and start again. So it's you have to do a perfect run. And there's 50 levels, and it's they get progressively harder. You know, It's really fun to play. The controls are really solid. It's all... It's weird at first because like you're used to normal skateboard games like how they do it. This doesn't do it like that. It uses the the left analog stick for all the tricks. So you don't have to point in any direction because you're always going that way, right? So you just use the stick to do the tricks and you press the X button when you want to land so you straighten yourself out. So that sounds like you're not doing much, but it is very complicated. And there's little challenges along the way like like some levels it'll say collect all 10 skateboards and there's skateboards lying around and you have to like grind up on top of stuff to get them uh, it's an indie game for the Vita it was made by one guy I like that kind of thing um, and it's only on the Vita so uh, you have to get it on the Vita if you want to play it Ali Ali. my um, second game I've been playing a lot of this week is Hearthstone and I've talked about Hearthstone a billion times it's World, it's World of Warcraft um, card game spin-off why I'm talking about it again is this week it went... Some of us want to know. <laughs> this week it went into open beta instead of closed right. beta. So I was in, a, in one of those invites where you can anybody can play now. So go to go to hearthstone.com. That lasted a long time, didn't it? Yeah, about six months. And you're saying hearthstone. I know you don't know, but it, it sounds a little bit like you're saying heart or half. Right, so hearth. Like in heart. Fire. Yeah, H-E-A-R-T-H. So go to, go to blizzard.com where World of Warcraft resides or Diablo or Starcraft go to blizzard.com you'll see the Hearthstone logo on the main page click it you can anybody with a Blizzard account can play it now so it's an open beta it's not finished but so it's free and it's free yeah will it always be free? it's always going to be free you can buy cards ah. if you want you don't have to I, I've bought cards precisely once and that was right at the beginning of the beta and that was because they said if you buy at least one pack of cards, when the beta ends, we will give you a special card. So I was like, well, why not? It's, it's $1.99 for a pack of cards. I bought a pack, and now I get a special card, like for being in the beta. So it's available now. I think it's fantastic. I've got nearly 130 hours played. I play it every day. Like I play at least three or four games a day. So um, I can't recommend it highly enough. And now you can play it. And even you can play it. Not interested. I've got my plants versus zombies, thank you. And uh, finally, this isn't a game, it's a TV show that I watched this week and I marathoned the whole thing. <laughs> and it was Hello Ladies, and it's a HBO show. Don't you mean Hello Ladies? Kind of. <laughs> and it's a HBO show, and I've always been a big fan of um, Ricky Gervais, and he has a sidekick called, um, I was going to say Carl Pilkington, but not Carl Pilkington. Don't call him his sidekick! Rich, uh, Stephen Merchant. He's not his. He's his writing partner. Let's yeah. say. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Imagine the Ricky Gervais and Steve Merchant <laughs> were sitting right here, and you said, "So, Steve, what's it like to be Ricky?" And Ricky sidekick? Gervais would say, "He is my sidekick." <laughs> he loves it, and he'd giggle, and Steve Merchant would be like, 
charming. <laughs> so he's so Stephen Merchant uh, is in is the star of this show, and it's about he's a <laughs> Englishman in Hollywood, and he he's a he's a, he's a landlord. He writes scripts. You know, he doesn't write scripts actually. He's got an, a web company. He makes websites. But what's the hook about him? The hook about him is he's socially awkward with ladies. <laughs> so Hello Ladies is his quest to get a woman, basically. And it never goes well, and it's very awkward. If you like Curb Your Enthusiasm, or Extras, or The Office, you'll probably like it, because it's in, that kind in of comedy. In Extras, he was his agent, so keep that in mind. If you've ever seen Extras... Yeah, he's, he's kind of like that character. He's very but, tall, but way more very awkward. thin. You know who I liken him to? There are two pairs here that I think of. Kevin Smith and his dude, Scott. Mosher. And these two. And yeah. I, I don't know why, because Kevin Smith is one everyone knows, but Mosier did a lot of the writing. He did this, like, bat, you know, whatever. Producing. All that. Yeah, exactly. And I think the same goes for these two. But you know Ricky Gervais and Kevin Smith. You just don't always know the guy who was like, you never know. He could have been the genius behind any of it. Steve Merchant, I mean. Or Scott Mosier. And this is, um, it's only eight episodes. They're 30 minutes each. So it's easy to get through it all. I blew through it all in two days because it was just like, oh, this is really funny. And it is... It's very pretentious, but that's the idea because he's in Hollywood and everybody around him is, I'm selling my do you, script. Do you um, mean it makes them look pretentious? Yeah, I'm selling yeah. my script. Um, who who have you bumped into recently? I've spoke to some, you know, like, like yeah. that. Yeah. But that's the idea. And he tries to fit into that, but he's not that. He's just this Englishman who's seven foot nearly and very awkward. And some of the things are just... My particular favourite episode is the one where he goes to the wedding. So look out, if you're watching it, look out for the one where he goes to the wedding and what he says to a particular person around a, <laughs> around the wedding table. It's just classic. It's very much like um, there's some moments of Curb Your Enthusiasm where you go, ah, uh, what are you saying? Why, why is this happening? Why don't you have a stop sign in your brain? Yeah, so that's Hello Ladies and it's on HBO. So if you have HBO Go, it's on HBO Go or HBO in general. So, what's for dinner, Sitok? Tonight, tonight is going to be what has already been cooked. Homemade chickpea and tofu curry, which is like tomatoes, onion, pepper, chickpeas, some crumbled up tofu, and curry powder. I didn't opt for all the separate spices because I happen to have some good curry powder that I really like. Cook that. I cooked it for like half an hour and now it's... It tastes really yummy. And then I made some almond rice, which was not homemade. I mean, I made it, but it was in a box. And that is really good, too. And some homemade cookies. Will the homemade cookies include hair? <laughs> not the... Mm, no guarantees. You just might get lucky. I got a look at you the other day. It was a <laughs> right, big piece of hair. Let me just tell everyone that in almost 14 years of marriage... Oh, for fuck's sake, that's a long time to be married to you. Or for you to be married to me. Thanks. Uh, in all of that time, I've done most of the cooking. Let's say 99%, 98% of the cooking, right? And in all of that time, I have never gotten one of my hairs in you my food. You just eat them. You know, I gag if I get a hair in my mouth, if I'm anywhere else, obviously. You have been lucky enough over the years to just be the one to get that portion or whatever. <laughs> the other day, what were you doing? You were whole... You're <laughs> But then again, 
Maybe it wasn't my hair. Who knows? Could have been, could have been in the bag hair. of flour. It could have been anywhere. I don't get grossed out by the hair, the thought of a hair itself. Because by the time it's been cooked, I don't give a shit anymore. It's not germy or anything. But I, if I get a hair in my mouth, I'm like. <coughs> but you think it's gross. But it's not gross. I mean, it's not like a pubic hair. Even if it was a pubic hair, it'd be cooked by the time you got it. Still gross. I'm not advocating putting hairs in your food. <laughs> So there, I cannot guarantee that there won't be any of my blonde hairs. But as you can see, it's all up in a ponytail. It's there's no stragglers today. What did um, I say? I do know there's one person listening to this who <laughs> hates, hates stray hairs. Like if there's a stray hair on someone's jacket or shoulder, she I'll identify her as a woman, and she you know who you are. I don't know what her mind is going, what it's putting her through, but I know that it traumatizes her to some degree. It traumatized me. So imagine what she's thinking right now. Uh Oh my God, she's cooked for me before. I don't ever want her to come cook at my house. I'm never going to go to her house and eat because there could be a hair in the food. Oh, eat near me. Because she's obviously molten. So that is, and um, my advice. No, uh, um, no, finally. Um, Not before your advice. What did I say in my sleep the other night? Okay. Well, let's start with why am I speaking in my sleep? I don't know. Normally, you don't. Normally, I'm the one who mumbles and says things. And you even told me a story. No, where I've, I've sat up and said something. The other night, you said I was asleep on your side of the bed, and you came in and you had to stand there and like yeah, physically shove me push over because <laughs> I wouldn't wake up. I had had Nyquil, by the way. And so this night, uh, I was supposed to get up to get you know take her nephew to school, and I I woke up in a my eyes just opened all of a sudden and I could hear birds chirping. And I was like, what the hell? Birds are chirping. It's got, I'm, I'm going to get up at 5.30 in the morning and we're out of here by 6.40. You know what I mean? Like, I'm like, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. My heart's pounding. I look at the clock. It's 2.30. I'm like, oh, thank God. And I, you know, I'm sure I moved or jostled in some way. And then I did the thing around the clock. And you, as I turned over, you kind of set your head up and you just go, that's Dudley Moore. <laughs> and I said, what? <laughs> and I was like trying like I am now like not to laugh. I was like, what? 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 It's Dudley Moore. And then you just turned over and I was like, Are you asleep? Are you? I was like, I could not laugh. So and I the thing get... is, I, I'm thinking of movies when I'm asleep. That must be what it is. <laughs> it's Dudley Moore. <laughs> so that was lovely. My advice is in relation to a TED Talk that I watched this last couple of weeks, I forget when it was, of Jamie Oliver's, it's a couple of years old. But one of the things he said that stood out to me was that he had gone around to, you know, America and England and found lots and lots and lots of people. The even, cook, J- Jamie Oliver. Yeah, Jamie Oliver, chef. the chef, yeah. And he was given this TED Talk. He had been given a TED wish and, you know, his talk was about, you know, kids learning to eat better and all of us learning to eat better and question our food and all this stuff. And one of the things he said was that... He was coming across women in families, women, young mothers who are third generation, have no idea how to cook. They don't cook, their mother didn't cook, and their grandmothers didn't cook. Or they're talking to the grandmother whose mother didn't cook and the great-grandmother didn't cook. And I was like, what? How can you have, if you're a 25-year-old person now, let's say, and your mother's 40-something at the youngest, 50-something, And she didn't cook. And her mother then would be in her 70s, theoretically. And she didn't cook. And what he's saying is they buy all frozen foods. They buy frozen pizzas. They get fast food. They 
make things out of boxes, they make everything out of mixes, or they go to the store and they buy a cake and they buy their bread and they buy their frozen pizza and need to talk to loads of people. And I just thought, wow, because I learned how to cook. I don't know if it's learning how to cook, but if I was little and I wanted some cinnamon toast, this doesn't sound like cooking, but I mean little, like four or five years old. I knew how to make toast and I knew how to get up and get the butter and butter my toast and then I learned how to make bread from my grandma and how to make pie crust and how to I didn't necessarily do it all through my life but I witnessed it I was a part of it I saw them canning food like growing a garden picking the food canning it freezing it um you know I didn't know macaroni and cheese came in a box until I like was probably I don't even know a it teenager it doesn't come in a box it comes macaroni and then some cheese and then you make it it doesn't come in a box it does come in a box i didn't what i mean is there was no box macaroni and cheese to oh. me it was you cook the macaroni that's it, it disgusting though that, che- that box stuff no it it's is not it's delicious I, once i've discovered it i yeah. loved it i'm not saying there's anything wrong with it but my mom would you know cook the macaroni out of a big bag and then of course we would either use American cheese, which people would claim is not cheese anyway, and then put in the milk and a little bit of butter and whatever else. Baked beans. I didn't know you could buy baked beans in a can because my mom always would brown the onions and put in the brown sugar and some ketchup. Take the pork and beans, drain them off, put them in the pan, get it all nice and browned, put it in the oven and bake it until it was all bubbly. I didn't even know that that... I didn't, I didn't know when microwave popcorn came around, I was like, why would you microwave popcorn? Like... You just pour it in a pan and you pop it. Well, one of my friend's children came to my mom's one day. And my mom is obsessed with making popcorn. She's shaking the pan on the stove and it's popping. And he was little. He was only about seven, maybe. And he's got his little hands on the counter. He's like, what are you doing? She's like, I'm making popcorn. And he looked at his mom and he's like, I never knew there was popcorn like that. Like, it's always in the microwave. So my advice is to cook something. Now, it is hard these days to, like, I cooked the rice tonight, but it's in a box. It's got the seasoning mix. It's got the rice and the almonds already, and I, I cooked it at home, but that doesn't make it homemade. But then the curry is like, hmm, I'll make my own concoction. How do I balance out the flavor good enough? How much chickpeas do I put in? Do I put in the whole onion? Do I put in half a pepper? How big do I chop the onion? How much curry powder do I want? Um... How much salt does it need? Do I taste it? Instead of it all just being like, let's just go to the curry place and get us some curry. Or let's go to McDonald's and get a burger. I'm not opposed to those things because we eat Subway every single week and I eat Taco Bell once a week. But it's good to mix it up. And if you think about it and you're thinking to yourself, hmm, I don't cook anything either. My wife doesn't cook. I don't cook. My mother didn't cook. It's a wonderful thing. I made bread this week and it was delicious. I mean, it was, what was it? Pizza crust out of my grandma's cookbook. Which also tells you, in our family, my grandma actually put together her own cookbook before she died. And it's loaded with recipes all the way. She made noodles and her bread recipes and then family recipes. And there's something creative and tactile about it. When you're done, it doesn't always turn out great. That is not the, that's not the point. I've made a lot of things that didn't turn out perfect. But then it's a process and it's like really satisfying when you make something super delicious. Like I've tasted that curry in there. Hopefully you're going to love it. It's going to make your nose run. I don't know why. I guess the curry powder must have some chili. Yeah, but it doesn't taste like that. But, you know, so and teach someone else how to cook like a young person in your family. If you're not going blow by blow by saying like, hey, 
crack the egg and mix it like this and put this in there, but at least have them around you while you're making something. I just think that it is, you become a little less dependent on pre-made things. It can be a little more expensive sometimes, but I give it a try. And minus the hair. Yes. <laughs> so. I mean, it makes it sound so disgusting. <laughs> So remind you about our website, sayschoolie.com, sitter.com. Catch us on Facebook, Twitter. Catch this podcast on the iTunes Music Store, the Zoom Marketplace. Just go to sayschoolie.com, click on the word podcast. Or go to stitcher.com, we're on there as well. Email me at sayschoolie.com. Don't email Sid Talk. Unless um, you have some recipes that you've made up or that you're cooking or that were your grandma's recipes, I would love to have them. And stay classy, Mr. Benedict Cumberbatch. Cum Benedict Cumberbatch sounds like a dish. <laughs> what would it be? It'd be something to do with eggs and sausage. Cumberbatch makes you think of sausage. And Benedict reminds me of eggs, of obviously. Course. Benedict Arnold. So Benedict. it's an eggs and sausage. I bet you there's some cafe in London that has the <laughs> Benedict Cumberbatch and it's some breakfast or something. Hmm. That's a big leap you're making there. <laughs> well, if it was my cafe, it would have the Benedict Cumberbatch. <laughs> and that's it. I'm going to say, did you say what you say? Who did you say stay classy to? Benedict Cumberbatch. Oh, right. <laughs> Benedict Cumberbatch, remember? I was just talking about Say it one more time. Benedict Cumberbatch. <laughs> ah, I love it when you talk. And I'm going to say think for yourself and cook for yourself. Because if you're not doing it, someone's doing it for you. Bye.